Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Alright, welcome to a new episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show we're doing another Marvel movie. We're looking at Spider-Man Far From Home, which is the ultimate conclusion to Phase 3 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and... uh, What do they call it? The Infinity Saga, I think, or something like that? I don't know. You know that I enjoy these Marvel movies generally, but I'm not a big Marvel nerd or anything like that. However, we have a guest who is a pretty big Marvel nerd. We've got Bill from the Great Albums podcast on the show for the first time. The Great Albums is a podcast that, although it just kind of ended its regularly scheduled weekly episodes, uh, is one of my favorite podcasts that I actually do listen to on a regular basis, and... uh, I was on their Tenacious D episode, and it's great to have Bill here on Piecing It Together now, so uh, I'm really happy to have him. I think we have a great conversation for you guys to check out. Before we get into it, I want to remind you all, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. Uh, You can also follow us on social media at PiecingPod, and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we talk about all these movies that we talk about on the show. I also want to take a minute here at the top of the show to thank everybody who has been listening. Um, If you're following us on social media, you know about this already, but we recently cracked the uh, Apple Podcasts top episodes list for the first time with our midsummer episode. It got all the way up to number 130, which, uh, you know, it's pretty far from number one, but I will take it. Um... You know, these episodes, you know, we are a small independent podcast and uh, it's been growing and growing since we started this show a year and a half ago, Uh, but I did not expect it to grow at this kind of rate and Midsummer really just blew up that episode. I wish I could say I knew how or why, (laughs) but uh, all of my, you know, tracking and stats that I have really are not pointing to exactly how this episode got so many damn downloads, but um, it has doubled my monthly average downloads just with this one episode alone, and it's only July 12th, um, so it's just absolutely crazy. So anyone out there who has been listening since the Midsummer episode, I would love to hear what you think of the show. You can email me directly, bydavidrosen at gmail.com, or you can, of course, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, And you can just tweet at us at PiecingPod. 
One way or another, I would love to hear from you guys. I want to know what you're thinking of the show. We want to keep making this a better show for everybody. So, you know, I really enjoy doing the show. And I plan on doing it for a long, long time. So, um, hey, you're out there. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're subscribed. And let's get into this conversation about Spider-Man Far From Home. All right, so today on the show, we got with us Bill, who I met... When I guested on his podcast, The Great Albums, we talked about Tenacious D's self-titled debut, which is a great album, and I'm happy to have him here now on uh, Piecing It Together. Bill, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, This is going to be a lot of fun to talk about. I mean, this is clearly, I, I think... Most people who have seen this new Spider-Man are are very happy with it. We didn't talk beforehand. I don't know if you were as happy with it as I think you thought you were going to be. Uh, Hopefully, you did enjoy it. I am 100% satisfied with it. Beautiful. And I'm speaking as a complete Marvel nerd. Um, Not just the MCU, but also the comic books as well. Uh, I was just telling my coworker the other day who just discovered that I read comic books even that uh-huh. i've basically been reading comic books since i could read and yeah. my first comic book was a spider-man comic book so uh <laughs> it was a spectacular spider-man issue i'm i don't know the number off the top of my head but the story uh-huh. is that uh spider-man um is with uh the outsiders i believe is the name of the group it's it's former villains so the prowler um, Rocket Racer and a few other Puma, so like mm. semi villains. Uh, and he's hanging out with them, and and they're about to go up to the Avengers and be like, "Hey guys, we need your help with something." And yeah. suddenly, Spider Man decides to attack them instead. And it turns out that he's been replaced by a uh, by uh, what's the character's name? It's like the um the Cosmic Phantom or something like that. And like he's like a doppelganger, and he takes over Spider Man and. It, yeah, and it's the that that was that was one of the first comic books I ever read. That stuff stays with you, I guess. Um, we yeah. we were just talking before we started rolling about video games, and uh, I split. <laughs> you obviously split your time between music and comic books. I split my time between uh, music and video games. Were kind of my thing growing up. I uh, yeah. I of course knew all the the comic book based video games, but I never really got into the comics. But of course. You know, as a movie guy, I've been there for, you know, most, if not all of these, you know, the MCU and all these mm-hmm. various comic book movies that have basically taken over all of cinema now. <laughs> have you played Maximum Carnage? The Spider-Man I'm sure game. I did back in the day. <laughs> yeah, that I, I remember it. I just don't really remember if it was a game I like played through and actually beat and everything. But I remember it had like the coolest ads and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> it was a really hard beat up game. I like yeah. it was. It was very, very difficult. I don't believe I ever beat it either, despite owning it and playing it for hours upon hours. <laughs> so, you know, why don't you tell some people, because uh, it's your first time on the show, why don't you tell people about you and your podcast and your band and that kind of stuff? And, you know, we, of course, do plugs at the end, but uh, I just want people to know a little about you. Yeah, so I have been, for the last five years, a podcaster on a podcast called The Great Albums. It is a music podcast that uh, we take a different album of music each week and talk about what makes it great. Uh, and we tie it all together with a track-by-track review. 
And I basically say that same thing at the intro of every episode. (laughs) (laughs) And we've been doing it for just about five years now. And we recently decided to uh, kind of retire it. It's Mm -hmm. not going away completely. You know, we could still do it whenever we want. There's nothing stopping us. But uh, our regular episodes, we used to do an episode every Monday. And now it's going to be occasionally you might get an episode and we're probably going to take a good long break for a little while. We'll be back before the end of the year, but um, we're taking a break with that. And how many great uh, albums did you guys cover in your run? More than 200. Damn. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, That's a lot of, um, yeah. With the bonus song Thursday episodes, uh, I think we were, our final count of all episodes was something like three sixty ish. Yeah, Jeez. so it was quite it was quite a lot of of episodes. So if you're just hearing my voice for the first time and going, that sounds interesting, you got plenty of podcasts <laughs> to go and catch up with. Yeah, it is. It's a great podcast too. I mean, I I was so happy when you guys had me on for the Tenacious D episode. I mean, it's one of the podcasts I actually do listen to, and so I was like, this rules. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a really fun episode. You know, a lot of times we kind of get very serious about the music oh, sure. that we're talking about and yeah. getting to do today's Tenacious D was so much fun and it was we kind of picked up on that vibe of Tenacious D and had fun with it, which was really sure. nice, you know. <laughs> it was a thing that was just a really fun lovely way to spend the afternoon talking about Tenacious D. Uh I am also a musician, uh, and I play bass in a band called Fake Pockets. Uh, We have been together a while. We're a pop rock band, kind of indie sounding stuff, and uh, we have a few singles out. We have an EP coming out this fall, and we've got some shows coming up that I guess I'll plug at the end. But if you enjoy, you know, kind of... uh, uh, rocking singer songwritery stuff that has a power pop vibe to it, then then that's kind of what we do. Hell yeah, yeah. And you can check that out at Fake Pockets. You know all the places you find social media and music. Just look up Fake Pockets. You should be able to find it. We changed our name specifically because the old name was impossible to find anywhere. <laughs> so now uh, we're the only band that's called Fake Pockets, so we should be pretty easy to find. Nice. Good name. I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. <laughs> right on, man. Well, uh, let's jump into talking about Spider-Man. Um, I I just saw it the other day, and it is a... I, I, I joked on Twitter that I'm really looking forward to this one so I could talk about Jake Gyllenhaal a whole bunch. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to give you the chance to speak first. Uh, why don't you go in with your first puzzle piece? Uh, okay. I'm assuming that spoilers are all on the table here. Absolutely. Uh, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and kind of do this in order of the of the movie itself. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm afraid that my puzzle pieces aren't gonna be puzzle piecely enough. Okay. Or you know, as far as like film uh, criticism goes, I don't think I really have the um, the vocabulary mm-hmm. to talk about that you know i couldn't reference you know uh going oh that looks like a shot that hitchcock would do you know sure. i know the you know i know the jaws shot of like you know the the camera zooming in while it moves backwards thing and i <laughs> you know i know that you know and i know a few other references but 
I wouldn't really say that I'm that. I'm I, I kind of base some of this stuff more a little bit on tropes. Mm-hmm. So and then I thought of examples of those tropes. There you go. So that, w- that works. And luckily for you, yeah. I don't think Hitchcock ever had drones create a artificial uh, reality. So <laughs> it should work out well for you, I think. So are you sure? That's that's. I don't like remember the plot that of North one. by Northwest. I think it might have happened. I don't know. I haven't seen all his movies, so you know. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah me neither. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, so I guess my first one here is uh, basically I went with the idea of the character of MJ being the disaffected teen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the puzzle piece that I went with, and I kind of came up with two, okay. <laughs> um, if that's okay. I don't know if it is. Sure. But I went with Daria and Ali Sheedy's character in The Breakfast Club. Nice. Of being kind of the MJ character, not Mary Jane. Um, the MJ character being kind of snarky, a little bit, you know, she, she's kind of always a little bit ahead of everybody mm-hmm. as far as, uh, you know, all the social interactions go. And she totally understands everything that's happening around her. Sure. But she has this very removed detachment from the world. And uh, so I felt like that character is, has shown up in many places over the years. And those are the two that, you know, popped into my head, of course, because... You know, the first, uh, uh, this version, MCU Spider-Man, was very much, they were trying to be the Breakfast Club superhero movie sure. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that, that works with that, uh, that analogy there, too, because it, it absolutely was what they were kind of going for. I, I think if we had started this podcast back when uh, Homecoming came out, we probably would have... Uh, mm. l- l- you know, talked about Breakfast Club for sure. And, uh, yeah, because there, yeah. uh, there was that photo that that they released. Oh yeah, that's um, the right. The promotional photo of them in the Breakfast Club poster pose. Totally. Which was pretty cool, yeah. And yeah, the, uh, Zendaya, I don't really know the other things that she's done. I mean, I know she's like this pop icon right now, mm-hmm. um, but she Supposedly, does a great- yeah, that's what I've been told. Yeah, <laughs> right? But I mean, she she does a great job in the role and she's uh, she's got like a really good thing going and I, I really like her take on it. And I, you know, I don't know how it compares to other, uh, you know, outside of movie versions of MJ. Uh, but, um, I, you know, it's, it's definitely an interesting take on the character from what I've seen. Yeah. It's more in line with the ultimate comics version of Mary Jane, mm. um, who they do more often reference as MJ there, mm-hmm. I believe. Where in the Ultimate Comics version, that was the kind of reboot that they made in the early 2000s on the uh, back of the movies. And the idea was kind of like, okay, we'll recreate Spider-Man for new readers. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, the person who wrote that, um, Brian Michael Bendis... Uh, he ended up doing it. It became, it was so good. And he, Brian Michael Bendis is one of the best comic book writers out there. Mm. Um, and he did, you know, several hundred, you know, up to like a hundred and some odd issues of this universe that is basically a total recreation, but it was so well done. And in that version, Mary Jane isn't the, the model actress kind of ingenue that she was known for in the, in the original uh, Marvel Universe and in the Sam Raimi movies. Right. Instead, she was more of a nerd who was Peter Parker's best friend growing up. Mm. Um, so, you know, and that was kind of, that's a little bit more the Zendaya version. Sure. But the Zendaya version, she's not Mary Jane, she's Michelle. Mm. Um, 
and she had she's basically a wholly created new character that's inspired by Mary Jane. Gotcha. I didn't even realize yeah. that. I I didn't know that it was Michelle. That's uh that's yeah, because in in um Homecoming, she's Michelle in the entire movie, if you recall. And yeah. Uh, and I remember watching that movie going like, oh, that's the girl. It's not Liz. You know, it's not the character of Liz. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's Michelle. It's like, she's interesting. Why do we keep watching her? <laughs> you know, it's like the camera kept finding her in all the scenes. And then at the end is when she goes, uh, they're, they're like, okay, Michelle. And she goes, my friends call me MJ. And that's where. You know, and then everybody in the audience went, oh, oh yeah, that's that's yeah, the yeah. part I remember. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know I, I didn't know I wanted it until now, but I kind of want a uh, Daria movie starring Zendaya. I think mm. I think that would actually oh, that'd be, be great. <laughs> yeah, that'd be totally awesome. Totally piss off all of the trolls. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> They'd be angry as hell, but it would probably be great. <laughs> yeah, she would be awesome in that role, actually. Totally agree. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm going to go with my first puzzle piece. And, you know, kind of like you were just saying about how, like, uh, a lot of your puzzle pieces are based on specific uh, scenes or tropes or things like that. This one actually is uh, is based specifically on, on a certain idea from within the movie. Uh, and that is, uh, you know, going to Mysterio and his whole uh, thing of creating this, um, you know, this whole fake version of reality that people Mm -hmm. don't realize that they are in and everybody around, including Spider-Man and everyone else, nobody really can tell that they're in the fake reality. I was reminded of last year's Mission Impossible Fallout when to get the uh, the secret code from the bad guy, they uh, they've got him in a hospital room that seems so perfectly real, and he's watching the mm-hmm. news, and there's Wolf Blitzer on the news talking about how the bad guys won and everything, and it turns out the whole thing was fake. Every last bit of their reality was fake, and uh, it was like such a great moment and such a mm-hmm. such a great fake out moment and so well executed within the uh the reality of the movie it just seemed so real and Mm -hmm. i I think you know mysterio does that as well he's he's um he's totally fooling everybody down to their entire core to like actually think all this is happening yeah i think that we just hit on something because i also have a mission impossible as one of my puzzle pieces Nice, nice a different one uh but I think that just the whole fake out thing, you know, which was kind of Mission Impossible's gimmick, you know, the sure. TV show and that with the with the masks, mm-hmm. um, which uh, I'll throw that out there that that's probably more uh, Spider-Man villain, villain called the chameleon mm. would be more that. But uh, which is one that they should do in the movies at some point. I'm sure they um, will. Would be a great combo to do with Mysterio, actually. And so just the whole idea of like that fake out thing which is Mysterio's entire background is that he's faking everybody out all the time in some way. It's even the things that you think, like you're always, when you're reading the comics or, you know, the cartoon or anything like that, whenever Mysterio shows up, you know that there's something that they're going to find something fake. Mm -hmm. And then later on, they're going to find something that you thought was real all along was definitely fake. Right, right. Yeah. 
Well, that, and that exactly is why I so hope Jake Gyllenhaal comes back because <laughs> I think that yeah. there is room for him to come back in this world. I, I think he's just so fantastic. I don't know if it's a one and done for him. Obviously, with that kind of a character, anything is possible. Um, so, you know, they certainly could find a way to bring him back. Yeah, I really felt that he and Tom Holland had really good chemistry. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he he felt, you know, I don't know, like this version of uh, the MCU Spider-Man stuff, so far they've given us two really good villains mm-hmm. that feel connected to the character of Peter Parker. Yeah. Uh, which is something that, you know, I always felt was was a little bit missing in the other movies. They always tried to force it a little bit, mm-hmm. and this... and. Now they've done it so naturally both times and not just connected to Peter Parker, but also thematically it works as well. That's awesome. Yeah. It it seems, it seems like a lot of my friends who are just like major Spider-Man fans, like they just can't stop talking about how great (laughs) the villains are in these last two movies and how they've, Mm -hmm. they've really just done it right with the villains, which is something that MCU has had a little bit of trouble with over the years is uh, good. Yeah, totally true. Yeah. But that's one of the great things about Spider-Man as a character. By the way, can you tell I'm a Spider-Man nerd? Yes, I, I, I've noticed. <laughs> he's definitely my favorite uh, superhero um, of all time. And I mean, he's had his ups and downs with different writers. But, uh, but one of the great things about Spider-Man and one of the tropes that his story should always have is that he has a personal connection with the villains that he's going up against. Mm-hmm. And they always... Um, reflect either him in some way or reflect uh, his own kind of existential crisis that he's going through at that moment in his, in his life. And this, and this one, it's um, he's kind of out in the superhero world on his own for the first time mm-hmm. and he's looking for a mentor. Yeah, yeah. And because of that, Mysterio can so easily pull the wool over his eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, what do you got for your uh, next puzzle piece? So I guess I'll go with the Mission Impossible theme here. Okay. And I was thinking about the trope of uh, the mentor-turned-villain twist mm-hmm. that happens occasionally. And the one of the ones that I thought of was Jim Phelps in the first Mission Impossible movie. Okay, yeah, yeah. Is that... You know, you go into that movie thinking that because uh, he was the main character of the TV show, which I never watched. But, you know, you know, I think probably like my friend's dad was like, oh, he's the hero right there. And I'm like, are you sure it's not Tom Cruise? <laughs> um, <laughs> not because uh, uh, who plays him in the movie? John Voight. John Voight. Thank you. And so, you know, it's big actor. You think that he's going to be the, the, the star of the movie. And then at the end of it, the twist is, is that he was actually the bad guy. Yeah. Um, and then also similar to that, uh, the other one that I went with, I think, and this is the one that in literature uh, people tend to point at, is um, Saruman in The Lord of the Rings. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, same kind of thing. You think that he, because he's the white wizard, right? In the beginning of the movie. Sure. Or in the beginning of the series, he's the white wizard. And then in the middle of The Two Towers, I believe? is when it's been a while since I've seen the movies or read the books. <laughs> it sounds about right. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. it's a lot of movie to remember exact moments. Yeah. <laughs> so in the middle of the two towers is when he reveals his true colors and all of a sudden he is he is actually the bad guy. And I, I think that that's, you know, and that was done very well here 
Um, although for anybody who knows Mysterio's character, he always portrays himself as the good guy first. Right. That's, right. that's always how he appears. And then eventually it turns out, of course, he's the bad guy. Yeah. You know, and it's all just fakery going on around it. That's so funny. Like as as a, a Spider-Man fan, like that trailer must have just been like, like, <laughs> of, of course, this isn't, you know, what it what yeah, it seems like. Yeah. You guys know exactly what's happening here. Well, did you know prior that Mysterio was definitely going to be a bad guy? I mean, I I guess I kind of assumed it just because he's mm-hmm. such a big actor. And I, I like, I don't know. It just seems with these movies, if he's going to be a good guy, he probably would have been there for the last Avengers movie or something. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it just seemed so crazy that they would just all of a sudden introduce a new hero, you know? Oh, you want to know what? Another puzzle piece that uh, outside of movies, uh-huh. that's, that's allowed, right? Sure. Go for um, it. So go into comic books, and this is another great comic book series that uh, that I loved. Um, is a comic book series called The Thunderbolts, which oh man, wow! Thinking about it, there are a million, uh, or many rather, not actually a million, <laughs> but there are many parallels between uh, when the Thunderbolts premiered and Mysterio here, um, because the whole premise of the Thunderbolts was back in the '90s, if you recall, the 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 what are now the Avengers, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe heroes, um, they were all killed off in the main universe. Mm-hmm. In 1997, I believe, or 96, um, they were killed off in the main universe. Uh, so Captain America, Iron Man, all of the Avengers, Fantastic Four, they were all killed off in the main universe, and they were pulled into a pocket universe and relaunched. Um, and they did this with, like, top artists, Jim Lee, um, uh, Rob Liefeld, um, uh, so these super huge artists at the time, and they were doing it in order to try and basically just sell comic books. Sure. Because Marvel was floundering at the time. They weren't, they were about to go into bankruptcy. Um, and, uh, and so in the main universe, um, the Thunderbolts, they were like the new Avengers. That's how they were built. They're like, Hey, we're creating this new super team. It's all new characters. It's the Thunderbolts. They're coming in here to take the place of the Avengers. And then at the end of the first issue, it's revealed that the Thunderbolts are actually the masters of evil in disguise, pretending to be superheroes, <laughs> just like Mysterio in this movie. That rules. And I was, and, and it's like Mysterio is like, oh, Iron Man's gone, you know, and it's like Captain America's gone. I, ha- you know, the world needs a new hero. I can jump in here and do this and kind of fool everybody. God, that's so funny. There, there's so many parallels with like various comic book stories. Like, that's why the, it's so damn. I, that must be why it's so damn easy for them to make these damn movies and make them so successful because oh, yeah. they have so much to pull from. Yes, they do. A hundred, <laughs> and they don't even. And one of the great things about the MCU has been that they pull from the source material, but they aren't um, dogmatic about it. Mm. They don't go that we have to do it exactly the same way. They create new situations and characters and worlds that still feel like Marvel. Mm-hmm. And it's the core of the characters, and they get that right, but they're not sitting there going, oh, well, we have to do the Dark Phoenix saga because <laughs> you know that was one of the best stories in the comic book. So we're the X-Men, and we have to make this horrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I haven't seen I haven't seen that movie by the way. <laughs> I honestly didn't think it was as bad as they make it out to be, but oh, okay. uh, it, I, it's not great. Let's put it that way. Well, it's all I right. I mean 
Yeah. I, I When I watched Apocalypse, mm-hmm. I kind of walked out of that going like, it wasn't bad. It was just a movie. Exactly. You know, there, was, there wasn't anything really all that wonderful or special about it. Exactly. That, that's what this one's like. Although there's some pretty good uh, unintentionally funny moments, though. So I'll just say that and, and mm. move on. uh but right on let me uh go to another puzzle piece here okay i'm gonna talk a little bit more about uh mysterio's whole you know uh crazy alternative reality uh effects and uh creating these these big trippy you know mind bending things that just mm-hmm. totally fool the people. Um so were we talking about that specific scene? Yeah. Uh, the, and what's it Berlin I, is where they're at? I believe so, yeah. And and this is specifically to when he's totally just blowing Peter Parker's mind and like, you know, mm-hmm. there's just absolutely nothing he can do to get out of it because it's just everything is crumbling around him. And uh I'm gonna cite a very bad movie here. So Spider Man fans, <laughs> please know I did enjoy this movie. But um um, I'm going to cite the movie Lawnmower Man. Um, oh, <laughs> because of a uh, the, just the use of this just crazy uh, trippy universe that they're bringing the character into, and they just are completely lost and have no way of finding any kind of footing or being able to do anything within it. They're just stuck and lost, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved love that scene. Uh, and I kind of wanted to, like, I racked my brain trying to think of what that would be influenced by. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's where my, my visual references don't necessarily exist. Uh-huh. I could think of examples in the comic book. Sure. Um, you know, where Mysterio just completely pulled the wool over people's eyes. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I wrote down was uh, Kevin Smith's run on Daredevil, where Mysterio ended up being the mastermind bad guy. Hmm. Um, and and basically Daredevil is running around with a baby that he thinks is the Antichrist because Mysterio is tricking him into thinking that. Hmm. Um, that yeah, sounds and crazy. It is, it is, it is, it is, it's bonkers that that run. But it actually kind of stays grounded, weirdly enough. You know, it's for how grounded Kevin Smith is in his movies. Sure. You know, he's very like he's very much about like talking about the mundane in his movies. I, well, I guess, you know, that was like the preview to like the land of Tusk, you know, like yes. eventually it's like, it's like, oh, he can go really crazy. <laughs> he sure can. He could do something yeah. lately. <laughs> yeah. So I couldn't think of anything uh, similar to that. You know, it was kind of like that, the, the Doctor Strange you know, mirror universe. Yeah. Thing. I thought about you know? using that as the example as well. And then I was like, I'm going to go to lawnmower man instead. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause I'm trying to think of stuff like outside of it. And actually the one that I just thought of, um, what's the name of that movie? Uh, Sam Neill, Lawrence Fishburne in space, horror movie. Oh, event horizon. The scariest movie event ever horizon. made. <laughs> <laughs> it was the scariest movie when I was, when I was a kid. And then when I watched it again as an adult, I was like, this is kind of dumb. Look, it is dumb and corny as hell, but it will still give me nightmares. I don't care what anybody yeah, says. It's yeah. scary but shit. There's all those scenes where like Sam Neill is like, is he hallucinating? Uh-huh. Is it real? Then, you know, that could also come into this kind of that illusion scene. I suppose you could um, even uh, point to the uh, the bowling pin scene in The Big Lebowski. Oh, yeah, <laughs> totally. Which uh, that's more he's supposed to be high, right? That's true. Yeah, I don't. I don't <laughs> okay. think. Uh, I don't think Peter Parker's doing any drugs in this scene. So. Yeah, because <laughs> the, the go-to for always like the visual stuff is 
uh, you know, 2001 or something like that. Sure. But this feels different than that. This feels much more confusing and off-putting and 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 there's much higher stakes emotionally yeah. for Peter Parker at this point because he just learned that everything is not what he thought it was. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, we're pulling away more and more layers of showing him how much wasn't actually what he thought it was. Right, right. And he starts to really question how much of it was really was really real. Mm-hmm. You know, as an audience member, I was sitting there going, was all of this European trip totally fake? <laughs> yeah. It's Has he possible. just been in a warehouse somewhere? you know, in New Jersey <laughs> for the entirety of this movie. It's completely impossible, uh, completely possible. And yeah, yeah. I, I think another thing that's interesting about, I mean, as long as we're talking about the, this whole trippy sequence is, um, whereas in a lot of movies where, yeah, it's just, it's all about like hallucination. This is actually designed by the bad guy. You know, like they show him like filming scenes basically for it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's uh, it's it's a pretty cool, unique take on the trip out scene, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. Well, what do you got for your next puzzle piece? Uh, so my next puzzle piece, this one, I, I think I went a little bit uh, way out there, okay. but I definitely, you know, because I went into the movie watching it, knowing that we were going to do this and I was going, I got to find things. And this one occurred to me as I was watching the movie. Uh, and the puzzle piece is the um, the poison scene in The Princess Bride. Oh, okay. Follow my logic here. All right. So there's that reveal when Mysterio is in the bar in Prague. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and the illusions go away. Some of the people are still there. And then he gets up on the bar and he does his, you know, villain speech. Yeah. So when he does this speech, he goes a little bit maniacal. And, you know, there was always that trope in uh, for a while that it's Jack Nicholson went crazy with the Joker. Mm -hmm. So everybody thought superhero villains should just be really, really out there. Mm -hmm. And he he kind of gets there, but he never quite goes over the over the edge, which is good. Yeah. But the thing that I found, so he does the whole like, you know, he's pointing out the people and it's like, and you helped and you helped and we're a team, you know, we're making this thing happen. But there's a part in there where he goes, you know, Tony Stark thought that we were fools, but he was the fool. We're not the fools. And it just made me go with the uh, the Sicilian, I think is Wallace Shawn's character uh-huh. in, in The Princess Bride, where he's like, it, it, and it's like, Obviously, I couldn't put the you couldn't put the glass in front of you because I know that you know and I'm no fool and you know that I'm no fool and you and I know that you're no fool and it just felt like that like Jake Gyllenhaal went there with it which I really really loved he went just a little bit crazy yeah. where there was logic to it but it was just absurd logic and that was his whole motivation as a villain so they they got to have a little bit of fun with it and exactly. it, yeah it it made me think of that scene and. You know, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal didn't then just, you know, freeze frame and fall off camera in a death. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I and I think that's part of, aside from just loving him as an actor, just in general, I think that's part of what makes his role here so damn good is you're right. He's like, 
he's taking it so big, but he's stopping right at the line, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's a really, I mean, you really need a good actor to be able to pull something like that off. And, uh, yeah, it's like, you've got that, that, that Jack Nicholson model, but, but Mm -hmm. looking at like that scene in the princess, Bride, I think that's a, that's a great comparison of, of, of going big and crazy, you know, but, uh, but, but just enough, just enough. (laughs) Exactly. But just not too much, you know, it's the Wallace Shawn's character is still, you know, he's still the guy that gets it wrong and gets poisoned. Yeah. And I think that all of that comes back at the end too, in the way that Spider-Man, uh, well, it's in, in the princess bride, uh, Wallace Shawn is, he's like, well, you're obviously strong and you're smart. Um, but I am the smartest. Mm hmm. And that's kind of what Mysterio is doing. Mysterio's sure. character in the uh, in the comics and all the places has always been without his illusions, he's nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm stealing this idea from um, from uh, Scott Nicewander in Nerd Sync. I watched his video on Mysterio and why he loves Mysterio. Mm-hmm. And kind of his his point at the end is like once all the illusions are gone. Mysterio is you hit him once and he's done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like he he's got no powers or abilities, nothing. Um once his illusions are gone, he he's nothing. He's always just one punch and everything is the illusion. Mm-hmm. And so uh and that kind of happens with uh with the poison scene in that while Sean is sitting there going, "No, I'm, you know, I can outthink this." But he doesn't realize that Wesley has both brains and brawn, and he does, and he underestimates the combination of those two. Mm. And the same thing happens with Mysterio. He underestimates uh, that Peter Parker has both uh, physical strength and intelligence, and he even has emotional strength too. Sure. And those are the th- and he pulls those things together. And he doesn't necessarily outthink Mysterio at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. He kind of punches his way through it a little bit. Yeah. But he also uh he also uses his Peter Tingle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to entrust his instincts and use his brain and and you know, kind of go, you know, I need to I, I need to separate myself from what I'm seeing. I need to do uh mind over matter a little bit. Yeah. Um and and he just puts it all together in order to beat him in the same way that Wesley can overcome Wallace Shawn. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, I I'm gonna go with another puzzle piece here, and uh, I I normally try like when it's a sequel or part of a you know superhero universe or any of that. I I try not to do too many uh, from that actual, you know, universe mm-hmm. or sequels, you know, or pre- previous I, entries. I mean, I've been referencing Spider-Man left and, and right. As so you should, comic as books, you should movies, be, because you know. you know this stuff, you know what I mean? So you absolutely should be. Um, and, and you bring that to it. So I'm totally happy you're bringing up all this Spider-Man stuff. Uh, but I am going to bring up another MCU movie. Actually, I'm going to bring up two, but first I'm going to bring up this one. Uh, so with the whole, uh, the first set of villains, the, uh, the elementals, I believe they're called, right? The mm-hmm. uh, big monsters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that of course, yeah, the, Mysterio's that, that's, helping. That, that was the first clue that Mysterio was full of shit. Oh yeah. 
was when he goes, the core elements of the universe. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, hydrogen? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, no, you're doing like Avatar The Last Airbender here, which is not science at all. <laughs> that's so great that you could see that. that that's so good. I, yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. But yeah, no, with with, uh, with that whole big misdirect of uh, like, these are the big villains that we're going to have to battle and mm-hmm. uh, just totally the characters having no idea that they're they're not battling the real villain and uh, just the audience really having no idea unless you're a big Spider-Man fan like yourself. Um, <laughs> I was reminded of the Mandarin in Iron Man 3 with yes. the big reveal that, uh, oh, ben, Kingley, ben Kingsley's character is just an actor. And in this case, it's just mm-hmm. these big projections that aren't really the threat. And the real threat mm-hmm. is this other guy who seemed to be a, uh, a good person. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Did you also notice with the elementals, the nods to the uh, Spider-Man villains, um, the Sandman, Hydro-Man, and I think it's Molten Man? Well, I Uh, I certainly noticed that they reminded me of like, they came from the same kind of place as Sandman. I mean, I didn't know those other guys because I didn't read the comics, but Sandman from the (laughs) uh, Spider-Man 3, of course. Yeah. You didn't watch uh, the 90s cartoon either? I might have, but my memory of cartoons is so bad. I like okay. I don't remember any of the cartoons I watched except Scooby Doo. <laughs> so maybe if we do an episode okay. on Scooby Doo, I can remember some of the uh, main characters. <laughs> yeah, because I'm pretty sure Hydro Man was in the cartoon in the '90s cartoon, nice. and Sandman. I don't know about Molten Man, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was basically you know those those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, but that was the other thing that I was like, okay, they did Hydro Man, but they didn't really do Hydro Man. Right. This, you know, and seeing the trailers, I, I had a feeling that if they were going to use those villains, they would have used those villains, mm-hmm. um, which, which is also why, you know, going in, seeing Mysterio and just going like, nah. <laughs> 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 which, when I saw the trailer, I saw the first trailer, um, which was like the teaser. And I knew that Mysterio was the villain. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm in. Mm -hmm. And then I made the mistake of watching the second trailer, Mm. which gave the whole thing about, you know, Oh, I'm from another universe. And you know, the snap knocked a hole in across dimensions. Yeah. Yeah. And and I was just like, "Ah, I kind of wish I didn't see that. You know, I kind of wish I didn't see that they were trying to make Mysterio, like trick everybody into thinking he's the good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I, I kind of wish I'd just go into the movie and saw that and go, wait, are they really trying to do this right, or right. is it a fake out? But I had enough time to, after seeing the trailer to go, ah, no, he's the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I mean, I, we're okay. So here's a question. You being a big comic book guy, were you surprised with the Mandarin, what they ended up doing with him? Yes, yeah, that, that really definitely surprised me. I did not see that coming at all because the Mandarin is is a huge Iron Man yeah. villain. Yeah, uh, it didn't bother me because I, I was never that big into Iron Man to begin with. Because mm-hmm. uh, what a lot of people don't know nowadays is that Iron Man he was he was B list in the nineties. Right, right. Yeah, if, it, on his best day, he was B list. Um, I feel like Ghostface Killer brought him back. I <laughs> I feel like he's responsible for his. Uh, his resurgence. Um, I think that, uh, well, I mean, I think that it, it was the 2008 movie. Yeah. The 2008 movie yeah, was, yeah. 
Because I remember when they did that, and I was like, okay, they're making an Iron Man movie now? Sure, I guess they're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. <laughs> and that was before that we knew that they were going to build the MCU and all that stuff. And I was like, it looks cool. And I'm like, hey, Robert Downey Jr., he looked, you know, it's I saw Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He's cool in that. Sure. You know, maybe maybe he'll be good in this. Um, little little did I know, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so Mandarin, yeah, it's I I didn't see that coming at all, uh, <laughs> not at all. I kind of I kind of I, I think there was a little part of me that wanted Ben King, Kingsley to be the bad guy. Sure, but you know it, he's it's, so good. It, but that movie wasn't about the bad guy, right, right? That movie was about Tony Stark's journey mm-hmm. back to being a hero. Yeah, um, after realizing you know the the how you know, like how hard it could really be to be a hero. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so, you know, I thought that movie was really great in that storyline. Mm-hmm. You know, just all of the very uh, Shane Black stuff of it was really, really good. I, um, I love and Shane then, Black. Yeah. He, <laughs> um, did you see the, the most recent uh, Predator movie? It's so dumb, but I have, <laughs> I have this fan theory about it. Okay, I don't know if you happen to listen to our episode. I talk about it on the episode. Um, my fan theory of the Predator is if you go back and watch like a lot of like 80s movies that we all love, they're very mm-hmm. dumb, but based yeah, on yeah. like nostalgia, they're great, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like he was trying to capture that. And do it like not update it whatsoever and just make a purely dumb, gory, inappropriate action movie. Mm, and mm-hmm. I maybe I'm giving him too much credit because I love a lot of his other movies. Um, but that that's my fan theory right there. That sounds about right. And that seems like his brand, you know? Yeah. Uh, which, you know, it's funny. I think the same thing about the Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. So many people have put so much meaning into Star Wars that they're no longer able to enjoy the movies right, now. Right, right. And and I love the new movies. I think they're all great. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 uh, the Last Jedi, especially so. Yeah. You know, that I'm on that board. As I, I think that all the people who got into Star Wars and got really into the hero's journey side of things mm-hmm. and are writers and they they follow characters and things like that that you know that whole movie was about defying expectation in very satisfying ways yeah and so i loved it for that reason and i'm not usually a person who likes that kind of stuff that that you know that really breaks down the stuff into like totally opposite i'm like just let it be what it is right right i felt like that movie really balanced the line so well of doing, uh, giving us the characters still mm-hmm. in a new and surprising way. Sure, so, absolutely. Know. Well, yeah. uh, what do you got for your next puzzle piece? Okay, this is. I think this is my last puzzle piece. If that's cool. Sure. Um. So my last puzzle piece, and I'm gonna go back to another MC MCU movie now. And this is not something that I came up with on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found it while watching you know the the youtube all the easter eggs from spider-man far from home videos Mm. on youtube and in one of the comments sections someone had mentioned this and i didn't notice it in the theater but then and i I probably should have taken down this user's name or something to credit them (laughs) but um there's the part in the final action sequence where peter is on the london bridge i guess Mm -hmm. um 
and the there's that sign that falls down and he he grabs the sign and takes that like a shield and then he picks up a piece of one of the uh the drones i believe mm, yeah, yeah and then he walks off he walks off with the shield in one hand and the and the drone and the piece of the drone in the other and uh someone pointed out that that's meant to mimic the moment that captain america steps out in endgame yeah. with the with the shield with the broken shield and thor's hammer with sure. mjolnir and I was just like, holy crap, that is so 100% what he was like. And that was Peter Parker's thinking, you know, he's going, I'm going to do, you know, I'm like, I'm, I need to be a hero and I need to be my own hero. Yeah. But he's copying, you know, his idols like Captain America, but he does it in a very Spider-Man kind of way. Yeah. Because Spider-Man is, a, he's always supposed to be, you know barely keeping his head above water yeah, he's always yeah. supposed to be and he's supposed to be street level so he doesn't have you know cap shield and mjolnir he has this broken <laughs> this broken sign from from the bridge and a broken piece of drone and that's what he goes into battle with sure yeah that's great and it, yeah i love that about the character that i mean he's basically just trying to soak up as much her- heroism as he can from the other mm-hmm. bigger avengers you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's fun. I like that. And that's what the whole movie is, is him just going, you know, how can I be a hero in a world without Iron Man and Captain America? Yeah, yeah. Um, which is so, which is cool, which, you know, going back, like, to way back in the original comics, I guess, yeah, because I think that Captain America, Captain America was definitely around. Um, I'm not sure about Iron Man, but the big Marvel characters at the time were the Fantastic Four. Mm. So a lot of the early Spider-Man stuff that Stan Lee was actually writing was about him kind of going like, I'm no Johnny Storm. I can't be a hero like the Fantastic Four. Uh, you know, it's like, I'm just doing anything I can. Sure. Um, and and uh, and that's, you know, and, and that's what's great that they were able to pull that forward. Like they have that... Um, emotional context of the original comics but in a different world you know they pulled that forward into the 21st century where in in the mcu we've got the avengers instead of the fantastic four right right yeah right on well uh yeah no I, i like that puzzle piece and um i've got two more um so i will i'll knock these out uh first one is actually two movies that i was just gonna kind of combine uh, mm-hmm. and that is Eurotrip and American Pie. Uh, just two, just two classic goofy teenager movies, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and I mean, obviously we don't have Scotty doesn't know, um, this could have used right. a good song, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and we've already, we've already burned our Matt Damon cameo <laughs> yeah. in Thor Ragnarok. Yes, so. <laughs> yes, yes. So, although I, I'm sure they could find another spot for him at some point, but, uh-huh. uh, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, no, just, I mean, there's so much, uh, and of course it was like this in homecoming as well. I mean, they're really, uh, trying to fill these movies as much action and, and spectacle as there is. There's also a lot mm-hmm. of good. Uh, just you know, youthful humor, you know, and uh, yeah, lots of lots of goofy stuff like that. And uh, really, there's some really great bits in this too. Um, you know, the stuff with his his buddy, I can't remember his name, his best friend, uh, Ned. Ned, yeah, yeah, and and yeah. his new girlfriend, and and then they break up, of course. Betty, um, <laughs> Betty Brant, yeah, and then because well, uh, those are characters from the comics, they that are are totally yeah, they're totally different in the movies because ah. uh, Ned. 
Ned, uh, Ned, it, Ned is supposed to be uh, Ned Leeds in the comic, mm-hmm. um, who is a reporter, um, and he's also in a lot of the. Uh, actually, is he in the Daredevil TV show? Is that the character? I think it is Ned Leeds oh, in wow. the Daredevil TV show. Um, uh, who's the reporter in that? And then, or is it? I'm not. I don't know. I have to go back and look, <laughs> but. Um, he's a reporter character, and then Betty Brandt is also another uh, reporter character. Oh um, wow! Who uh, I think originally she is J. Jonah Jameson's um, secretary, and then she becomes a reporter later. And in and she is in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. That character mm-hmm. played by um, Elizabeth Banks. Oh okay. And she's in know. all three movies, and there she's the one that that Peter kind of like flirts with sure you know yeah but very poorly yeah (laughs) (laughs) in those movies um nice but yeah those those are real characters but they are totally different characters the ned in these movies is more based on the character of and i believe his name is pronounced genki Mm -hmm. um in the ultimate spider-man universe who is uh who is the miles morales um spider-man his buddy oh okay and that's who it, and trust me if you just go and just type in g-a-n-k-e uh-huh. spider-man and look up a picture on google yeah and you'll be like oh crap that's ned from the movie <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah for sure i just did myself and you're 100 <laughs> yeah right. yeah and it's like oh wow that's that's ned um yeah <laughs> that's some good casting right there um, yeah <laughs> All right, and I, I got one more, like I said, and I, I did say I had another MCU movie. It's uh, actually probably my favorite of the MCU, and I know a lot of people were not as big on this as I was, but um, after... Infi- Thor the Dark World, right? No, it was not Thor the Dark World, <laughs> which I actually is one of the few MCU movies I have not seen, and from what I hear, I'm not missing much, but... Uh, it's basically, <laughs> you know, you get a lot of great Loki stuff, uh-huh. and then everything else in the movie is not very good. Yeah, that, that's pretty yeah. much what I've heard. But uh, no, we we uh, we followed up Endgame with with a lighter, more fun movie, uh, and of course, we followed up Infinity War with Ant Man and the Wasp, mm-hmm. which again was a lighter, more just fun movie. And mm-hmm. uh, I think this this really feels like almost like a companion piece to that with like just mm-hmm. another still awesome still huge when it, you know as most of these marvel movies are but definitely to a little bit of a smaller scale definitely more char- mm-hmm. character and relationship based and yeah. uh and a lot more fun and a lot f- like funnier and uh definitely mm-hmm. like kind of lightening that mood a little bit after such a huge uh you know previous installment in this series yeah, I love that it goes from the snap to the blip. Yes. <laughs> yes. And they definitely play that up a little bit more for laughs here. Instead of being the, you know, all the boats for some reason stranded at, you know, Liberty Island mm-hmm. um, in, fr- in front of the Statue of Liberty. I don't understand that. I don't, I still don't understand why there are boats that are stranded on that island. Yeah. Did it make sense to me why that was an image at all in that movie? <laughs> but. You know, it's like those harrowing five years. And I love that basically they just said, okay, if you were a character in a Spider-Man movie, you were, you were snapped out of existence. Yeah. Um, because it just makes the most sense to have them all be back. Yeah. You know, and, 
I'm glad that Aunt May also got it too, because I can't imagine like that five years of Aunt May just being, oh, Peter, he's gone. You know, <laughs> um, it's so much better that she doesn't have that weight of that. So she can just be there right with Peter and just be like, I don't know. Nothing's really changed except for the date on the calendar. Sure. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Which made so much more sense. And you're right, though, like having fun with it. Um, I really, I really enjoyed that. And uh, I'm so excited about the next phase of marvel movies yeah yeah i have no idea what they're gonna what shape it's gonna take Mm -hmm. um but i'm i'm extremely interested in it you know i'm I'm still waiting for marvel to really screw it up (laughs) it sure doesn't (laughs) seem like it's gonna happen but i mean yeah who knows nothing lasts forever but i mean yeah i don't see it stopping anytime soon that's for sure yeah the closest we can get is Thor the Dark World and go. Iron Man 2, mm. which are both still fine as movies. Yeah, yeah. It's just that they have all the other Marvel movies to contend with. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, they end up towards the bottom. And For sure. And I'm really interested in seeing what interesting stuff they're going to do. And I'm excited the fact that the MCU universe is officially moving into miniseries with the Disney Plus stuff that's coming sure. out in the fall. Yeah, yeah. No idea what that's going to look like. Uh so I, I think it's all going to get revealed next week at Comic-Con. Yeah, I guess um, it's good timing that this episode hits right before Comic-Con. That should be good. Yeah, yeah. so that way get them they, all the listeners in. can be as confused with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I'm going to do the finished puzzle, and then we'll get to any closing thoughts we had on Spider-Man Far From Home. So uh, the finished puzzle includes Daria, The Breakfast Club, Mission Impossible Fallout, as well as the original Mission Impossible, uh, Lord of the Rings, the Thunderbolts series, uh, Kevin Smith's Daredevil series, The Princess Bride, Iron Man 3, Avengers Endgame, Eurotrip, American Pie, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and I think I skipped Lawnmower Man while I was reading down my list. Yes, I did. So, oh, yeah. And Lawnmower Man. So, um, Do you have any uh, other thoughts about this movie? Um, sad that that we didn't get a Stan Lee cameo. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it it definitely felt it missing. It's weird, you know. It's such a should be such a nothing thing, mm-hmm. but he's had so many cool ones. And the last Spider, like the last Spider Man, uh, was really really good. Where he's he's like, hey Margie or whatever, you know, the the woman's name, mm-hmm. uh, that he's yelling at. Yeah. Um, or <laughs> he's yelling at at Peter Parker. Um. And his cameo in, I know this is an MCU, but his cameo in uh, Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. where he was like, yeah, me and Spider-Man were friends, you know, you know, and it's like, oh, Stan Lee, and that was right after, that was right after. Oh, yeah. Um, and of course, Stan Lee has been a huge figure in my life, my entire life. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's probably one of the first names I knew as someone who's famous. And it's definitely the first name I recognize from comic books with Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he wasn't writing comic books in the 90s, you know, you'd think that maybe uh, Dan Jurgens, who, who wrote The Death of Superman, which was huge when I was a kid, um, that would be the name that I would know, which I do know it. But, you know, Stan Lee has gone on to become such a huge figure in the world. And, uh, yeah, just missed him a little bit. And... Uh, love the movie overall. It, I wouldn't put it in my top five of Marvel movies, mm-hmm. but it's still in the top half. You know, now that we have twenty some odd movies, it's uh, yeah, right. It's difficult. It's weird to say that, but um, 
I, and I do enjoy all of them, basically. So sure. you know, me saying that is uh, is is basically like saying. I don't know what's your favorite candy. You know, it's right. like well, it's all candy. You know, you still <laughs> like it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, the only other thing I wanted to mention is uh, uh, the director of this movie, John Watts. He uh, made a, uh, a really great little indie movie called Cop Car uh, a few years ago. I don't know. If mm-hmm. you, I don't know if you've seen it, but starring uh, Kevin I Kevin Bacon I, I, and Shea Wiggum. I've heard good things about it. Oh, it's a great movie, and I did not know when I saw this that he had direct. Well, I knew. I found out like literally like that day that he had directed mm-hmm. it, and I was like, "Oh wow, it's that dude. That's awesome!" And so I'm just I'm I'm super psyched about that that he went on to make. Uh, such a great Marvel movie. That, I think that's so. Cool. Yeah, and his vision for Spider-Man is so awesome. Oh, what um, what's the song that plays over the end credits? Um, because oh, what was uh, it? Last time it was the Ramones, and there mm-hmm. is another Ramones song in here when they like go to hold hands. Sure. The 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 romantic Ramones song plays, but um, it, is it Vacation? Oh yeah yeah it is. It's Vacation. I think was, okay. was over the end credits. And of course, and, and of course, I will always love you over the opening, which was pretty. Oh great. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the uh, the score by uh, Michael Giacchino, mm-hmm. um, and because I went and saw the movie with a friend of mine who's a professional musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he he's actually a um, an opera singer, mm-hmm. uh, and so you know he he knows all like the scores and stuff and uh sure so he knows the name michael giacchino we were talking about the music and how good it is yeah, yeah. he's like yeah michael giacchino who steals from so many other people and i'm like <laughs> hey who cares <laughs> <laughs> and yeah it was definitely a vacation i just brought it up uh yeah. Oh, okay yeah um well right on uh th- this was great bill um you want to uh recommend something else that you've watched recently sure so what i watched recently which uh I was I was at home all day by myself. My wife was off doing stuff, and I had literally nothing to do now that my podcast has come to an end. And I was like, man, what, what do I do with my time when I'm not podcasting? And it turns out, go be a guest on other podcasts. There you go. Um, but also what I did was I was just kind of going through Amazon Prime looking for something to watch. And I had heard good things about this movie, um, a movie called Searching. Mm. starring john cho oh it's so good um, and for anyone who hasn't seen it the entire premise is that basically the entire movie takes place on a computer screen mm-hmm. uh and it, it's it sounds gimmicky and there's a few parts that it kind of verges on that but they they do it so well mm-hmm um, and there's a few parts where it's like, okay, would you really use FaceTime right here? <laughs> no, probably not. But in order to keep the movie going, it works. Yeah. Um, and it's a great crime thriller. Um, it has kind of like that that feeling of like the true crime pro- podcast right now. Sure, sure. But it, it it has the benefit of being fiction, so they can really pull at your emotional heartstrings. And it's about a dad... Uh, John Cho, whose daughter goes missing, and he's going through her computer and his search for his daughter. Um, and it has a bunch of twists and turns. And I'm not going to say that it's the most surprising twist that's ever happened. Mm. Um, it's still kind of a murder mystery movie. Um, and you can kind of see the dots that are connected, mm-hmm. but the way 
that it reveals everything yeah. is so novel that you forgive those little things and it it has a very uh, emotional uh cathartic feeling to it yeah so because of all that it comes together in a very surprising and good way um that maybe if it were just a traditional thriller that story wouldn't have come together as well yeah yeah um so i i highly recommend watching it cuz it is a good viewing experience not just a you know okay this is a fun movie mm-hmm. they do something interesting they take uh something you're uh, a genre you're familiar with and turn it on its head a little bit yeah, yeah. and bring it bring it interesting and cool places yeah so absolutely I, it. I i i completely agree and i i did not expect to like that movie as much as i did it ended up in my top yeah. 10 last year um it, it's like seriously uh so well done so inventive and it takes mm-hmm. a gimmick that could be just so gimmicky and right. makes it something that really adds to the story and, yeah and just it's so effective both uh in a cool way and emotionally i mean it, it's yeah it, it really works it and, uh, and anyone listening, if you haven't seen it, make sure you go see it and then go listen to our episode from last year about <laughs> it. So <laughs> I'm a hundred percent sure that they're going to make a sequel mm-hmm. with none of the, you know, just the studio uh-huh. that owns it is going to make a sequel, not the director, writers, actors, whatever. They're going to make a sequel and it's going to be awful. Please you know? God, like, no. You just know that they're going to do that. <laughs> I pray that doesn't happen. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, because they, they're going to misunderstand and they're going to think the thing that makes it good is the gimmick. Uh-huh. But, that, but it's not, you know? Yeah. Boat movies. We need more boat movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, Bill, where can people find your stuff? Uh, everything with the great albums, you can find the great albums.com. Uh, we, even though the podcast isn't, uh, releasing as much stuff, we still have a blog that will be going strong over the next few months. Um, I don't write any of it. My friends do. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, you can also find all the social media stuff at the great albums or the great albums. It's all there at the great albums.com. You can also find my band, Fake Pockets, uh, on Spotify, on Bandcamp, on Facebook. Um, type in Fake Pockets and we'll appear. You can listen to us. And uh, we also, I'll throw this out there for anybody listening in New Jersey who likes good power pop music. Uh, at the A few weeks from now, we're actually playing a really cool show at the Stone Pony in Asbury Park. The legendary Stone Pony, nice. as everyone refers to it here in New Jersey. <laughs> um, we're playing the Stone Pony, and uh, they do these summer stage shows, which are these outdoor shows. And then uh, local bands play an opening set indoors. So uh, we get to open for one of my favorite artists, which is Ben Folds nice. um, and the Violent Femmes are playing there we're oh, playing yeah. that show um so it's gonna be really awesome so if you if you're like eh, i don't really know if i want to go to a local show but you're in new jersey and you like those bands you could be like well i can go see a band i like yeah. and check out bill's dumb band and see if maybe they're actually any good i think we are i think it's a really good lineup for us to be on because those those bands definitely work within our our world of music so um that's on august 2nd tickets are available on the internet <laughs> <laughs> beautiful well i i'm glad we finally did this i'm so happy you were able to join me for an episode um and i i'm excited to uh to to hear your uh, ep it's coming later this year yeah me too actually <laughs> <laughs> i bet you are man <laughs> <laughs>
Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. If you ever believed Captain America was on the U.S. Olympic soccer team. If you ever thought that the Winter Soldier was that brace yourselves guy on the internet. And if you ever wondered just what would a raccoon do with a machine gun. Then don't let another week pass you by without tuning into Mighty Marvel Geeks. Mighty Marvel Geeks is your show about all things Marvel. With news, rumors, commentary, and interviews. As well as our weekly recommendations on what to pick up on New Comic Book Day. Official consulting hours are between 8 and 5 every other Thursday. That's Mighty Marvel Geeks on WeebyGeeks.net, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. All right, so that does it for today's episode of Piecing It Together. I hope you enjoyed that conversation, and you really should go check out those uh, back episodes of the Great Albums podcast. Go check out the episode I did on Tenacious D. It's a really fun one. Um, So that does it for today. I do want to remind you all to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You could also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I'd love to hear what you're thinking of the show. You can follow us on social media at PiecingPod. You can join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we talk about all these movies. Lots of cool people in there to talk movies with. And, uh, yeah, you know, all that stuff. All the above. Do it all. That would be awesome. I love that people are out there listening, and I thank you so much for the support. So, let's leave you all with a piece of my music, as we always do on this show. I think today I will play another track from my album, Head Like Fire. I've been playing a lot of tracks from this album lately, uh, but I've also been listening to it a lot lately as I'm starting to get into the planning stages of a new album. And uh, let's go with the track, Trying Again. I I dig this song, and I hope you enjoy it too. So uh, yeah, let's play Trying Again, and we will be back soon with more Piecing It Together. I must say, we're in the middle of recording like literally like six or seven new episodes over the next week or two, Um, so there's a lot more Piecing It Together coming your way, so make sure you're subscribed.
and All Points West. 